1: The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are simply that. Opinions. All are presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. Sensitive topics are discussed. Discretion is advised. In 2016, eight members of the Roden family were all fatally shot at four different locations. These murders became known to many as the Pike County Massacre. Authorities were perplexed as to why someone would commit such a heinous act, a child custody dispute between Hannah Roden and Jake Wagner eventually became the motive for this massacre, leading not only to the arrest of Jake, but to his mother, his father and his brother. I'm Vinny Politan and on this week's Court TV podcast, we're looking at which members of the Wagner family were responsible for planning and carrying out these murders and to what extent with an audio edition of our original series, Accomplice to Murder. Have a listen. This is the Court TV podcast with Vinny Politan. Traveling today to Piketon, the scene of the Pike County Massacre where eight people from the same family were all shot and killed execution style as they slept. The investigation would stretch from the hills of Appalachia to the mountains of Alaska and reveal a murderous plot involving an entire household and lead to the trial of one family member who insists he had nothing to do with any of it. It all began early in the morning on Friday, April 22nd, 2016, outside the small town of Piketon, Ohio.
2: 9-1-1. give me a second. <laughs> man, man, what's going on? <laughs>
3: It was a big breaking news event uh, when it occurred. Initially, there was just reports that there were multiple bodies found in Pike County. I think myself and many others assumed that it was a murder-suicide scenario, especially later in the day when they found um, a body across town.
4: At the center of it all was 19-year-old Hannah May Roden, who was uh, found shot to death in her bed with uh, her child in her arms, um, still alive. Also dead in the home was her mother, Dana Roden, and her uh, younger brother, Chris Jr. Her father, uh, Chris Sr., was also found shot multiple times with his uh, cousin Gary Roden, just a few feet away. A couple miles away was the home of uh, Hannah's older brother, Clarence Frankie Roden, and his fiance Hannah Gilly, dead in their beds with their young child uh, lying between them, covered in blood, and uh, another child in the home also alive. And then finally a few miles uh, down the road was uh, the camper where Kenneth Roden lived, also shot dead.
3: There was fear, there was shock. Uh, it was definitely a community that felt like they were in danger. Eight people dead, God knows who did it. Lots of people told us that they slept with their guns loaded. It was like a bomb
5: being dropped. I had never even heard of a homicide like this. It was very,
1: very, very shocking. Law enforcement initially had few clues about who could have committed such a horrific crime.
3: We have one person who is armed and dangerous. There may be more than one. There may be two, there may be three. We we just we just don't know at this point, you know, how many people we're we're really talking about at all.
4: Well, just about everyone in this tight-knit community in Pike County had some connection to the rodents. They were definitely a big, sprawling family, tight-knit and deep roots in the community. It's a small town. Everybody knows everyone.
6: Things like that don't happen here.
5: Everybody was shocked.
6: Sad for the children that are left behind.
1: As days passed, with little information coming from law enforcement... One theory kept resurfacing.
4: People who knew them also knew that the Roden family had this marijuana grow operation and that Chris Sr. was kind of at the head of it and that Kenneth Roden, you know, was a big contributor. Initially, there was this disclosure of this large marijuana growing operation there at the Roden property. There was discussion of organized crime because the killers were able to go undetected. This kind of gave rise to early theories that this could have been a drug hit or a cartel hit.
5: I think it was very clear to the locals that it was meant to send a message,
1: but we just didn't know who. A drug-related killing made some sense. As it became clear, the killings were not random. You couldn't stumble upon these homes.
5: We're talking about very isolated very far out it's hard to imagine we're in the foothills of Appalachia here and they were in the hills
4: and whoever
1: perpetrated the massacre knew what they were doing
4: it was a crime scene that was actually pretty clean of a lot of the traditional physical evidence that you hope to see in like a mass shooting not a lot of ballistics not a lot of DNA or fingerprint evidence that could lead to suspects
5: i think that lent credibility to the fact that it had to be someone it had to be more sophisticated nobody could pull this off locally
1: very methodical very calculated very cruel the investigators were also trying to find the killer or killers in a community that kept to itself and was skeptical of outsiders
3: it's a rural community. It's, it's Appalachia. There's a high poverty level. It was hit hard by the opioid pandemic. At the same time, it's a very proud community. Sometimes with that comes people that,
5: that have to do things to make a living that other people look down upon, but they're doing what they have to do
1: to survive. As the investigation turned from days into weeks, law enforcement remained tight-lipped And with little information, the national media stepped in to fill the vacuum.
4: Just because of the brutality of the act, parents killed with their children in their arms. It really grabbed national headlines. There was a huge media circus that took place. The hotels were full of
3: national and international media. We were inundated with law enforcement, news cameras,
1: news crews. But as the weeks turned into months, the media lost interest, and law enforcement continued to stay silent.
3: The consensus was, this is never getting solved. We'll never know what happened here. And so I think people had generally given up hope that there was never going to be a real conclusion to this investigation.
1: But the Ohio Attorney General vowed to press on. I
3: believe this case will be solved. We will remain in Pike County until it is, in fact, solved.
1: And then, a break in the case.
3: Breaking tonight,
1: investigators are asking for the public's help in the Roden murder
6: investigation. They are looking for information
2: about another family connected to the victims. Investigators want any information the public has about the family.
1: Over a year after the massacre, dozens of law enforcement agents were seen swarming multiple properties Belonging to a family well-known in Pike
3: County, the Wagners. The Wagners, yeah, they were well-known also within the community. They had a lot of property holdings throughout the region and throughout the county, so they were definitely well-known around Pike County.
4: They also had a bit of a reputation as outlaws who committed petty crimes together as a family. The patriarch. Billy Wagner taught his sons at a young age how to pick locks on vending machines and then later on on trucks so that they could steal hauls from commercial vehicles. Billy found jobs and you know supported the family, but uh, Angela also had her own uh, business pursuit. She had a hobby farm uh, where she used her sons as what they both described as hired labor, unwilling labor at a certain point. And the Wagners knew the rodents well. Jake Wagner had been in a
1: relationship with Hannah Roden, who had gotten pregnant and given birth to their daughter, Sophia, when Hannah was just 15 and Jake 20.
3: Family friends and the pastor has told us that Jake Wagner got along well with the the Roden family, um, and they supposedly had a pretty good relationship right up until the custody battle with Sophia Wagner came up, and that's when things kind of went sour between the two families.
1: So sour, authorities hinted, that they believe the family feud may have been a motive behind the massacre.
3: Family is the most important thing to a lot of people in these these, these communities, and so it's not surprising that'd be a part of the motive. A month after the Wagners' farm was searched, the Ohio
1: Attorney General's office released a statement asking the public for more information about the Wagners.
4: Everyone knew that the Wagners had left town had gone to Alaska, You know that wasn't a terribly good look for them. Up in Alaska, the announcement generated a huge number of calls to
1: police. And media reports revealed that the family was living on the Kenai Peninsula, a few hours southwest of Anchorage.
3: That was a notable step in the case, because it's told everyone that, hey, these are people that are definitely like right within the scope of law enforcement. And they're clearly just waiting for them to screw up somehow.
1: The Wagners eventually left Alaska and moved back east while pressure grew on authorities to make an arrest.
4: The public was dying to know when will this family, you know, face justice? Because by this point, especially in Pike County, you know, all eyes were on them.
1: On November thirteenth, 2018, nearly two and a half years after the brutal execution of the Roden family, Ohio authorities issued arrest warrants. For Angela and Billy Wagner and their sons, Jake and George.
3: These four individuals are now in custody for allegedly committing this heartless, ruthless, cold-blooded murder.
1: Investigators said the massacre had nothing to do with drugs. Incredibly, they allege that the four Wagners plotted to wipe out an entire family for the sole purpose of gaining custody of Sophia, the daughter that Jake had with Hannah Roden.
3: We believe that the Wagners conspired together to develop an elaborate plan to kill the eight victims. The aggravated murder charges also include death penalty specifications for all four suspects.
1: Coming up, Ohio prepares for the biggest murder trial in its history. But before it can begin, Jake Wagner takes a plea deal that will protect him if
0: he agrees to
1: testify for the state.
0: We got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: After the most exhaustive murder investigation in the history of the state of Ohio, law enforcement officials arrested four members of the Wagner family for the so-called Pike County Massacre. Authorities allege that the motive behind the massacre wasn't drugs at all, but what would become the bloodiest custody battle in Ohio history. The trial for the murder of eight members of the Roden family began in Piketon, Ohio, on September 12, 2022.
7: Describe him. There is nothing on this
1: Prosecution was led by Angela Kinepa. Nothing.
7: Hannah May found difficulty because Jake wanted Angela Wagner to really parent Sophia Wagner. They would want Sophia to call Angela mom even when Hannah May was sitting right there.
4: She kind of, you know, was a little creeped out by the family dynamic. Angela Wagner was really very much like a controlling force in her son's lives. So the relationship fell apart pretty quickly and Hannah left the Wagner home and she took Sophie with her.
7: Her crime was not returning the love of Jake Wagner and not submitting to the control of the Wagners.
4: And Jake uh, apparently harbored some suspicions that Hannah was letting their daughter, Sophie, be sexually abused, maybe molested by um, men in her life. The Wagners were pretty aggressively trying to uh, obtain full custody of Sophie.
7: During this time, she says, I won't sign papers ever. They'll have to kill me first. Just over four months later, Hannah Mae and seven members of her family are dead. This was not a crime of passion. This was not in a fit of rage. This was not in self-defense. These murders happened after a period of three months of planning and plotting and purchasing and preparing and executing. 8 individuals of a family.
1: Um, While the prosecution spent most of their opening statement on laying out the case against the Wagner family, um, they recovered. there was only one person on trial, George Wagner. Be That's because Jake Wagner, the man accused of doing most of the killing, had already pleaded guilty.
5: What plea do you wish to enter in count seven to the charge of aggravated murder of Hannah Mayroth?
4: I am guilty, Your Honor. Many called it the best plea deal in the history of the state of Ohio, is that this admitted gunman was going to basically be spared the death penalty in exchange for admitting his role and testifying against his relatives. Jake's mother, Angela, soon followed suit. So after Jake strikes the plea deal with prosecutors, Angela Wagner strikes her own deal. She also avoids uh, the death penalty uh, by admitting her role and implicating uh, her sons in the uh, plot to kill the rodents. George Wagner was represented by John Parker and Richard Nash, two very aggressive defense attorneys.
8: This is a trial about the state of Ohio against George Wagner. It's not the Wagners. It's not Billy Wagner. It's not Angela Wagner, nor is it Jake Wagner. This is all about George. As you hear the evidence in this case, you must ask yourself, every time you hear the Wagners, think of how that applies to George. They don't want to try an individual. Instead, what they wanted to do was try the Wagners. They knew they were in trouble with with treating George as an individual.
1: After his mother Angela and brother Jake pleaded guilty, George Wagner was on trial and facing life in prison for being an accomplice to the murder of eight members of the Roden family. It was a brutal crime that the prosecution spent three days making horrifyingly real. Timothy Dickerson was one of the first responders to Dana Roden's house, where he discovered the bodies of Hannah May, her mother Dana, brother Chris Jr., and a survivor. You found
5: the three deceased
1: individuals in there.
9: Once you'd seen that, what did you do? Well, one thing that happened was I noticed uh, there was a baby in the bed. Either I made a noise or there was a noise because the baby's arms came up and I hollered for them to get a medic. (laughs) <laughs> could you give us an approximate age of the little baby if you could, Director Dickerson? Um, I learned later that the baby was three days old. It was very, very tiny.
3: Uh, I just little
1: Justin little. Waring responded to the home of Frankie Roden and his fiancée, Hannah Gilley. There was
3: a young child that was probably four or five years old that was running around in the yard. And then there was an um, infant child who was around six months old.
7: And did you notice anything unusual about the infant?
1: The infant was covered with blood. James Manley, Dana Roden's brother,
8: was also on the scene. Well, I walk up to the yard and see
9: Frankie's baby covered in blood. And blood everywhere. Specifically? It was on the body, on the bed, on the walls.
1: While investigators had plenty of evidence of a brutal crime, they had almost no DNA or fingerprint evidence linking the Wagners to the shooting. So they painstakingly reconstructed the Wagners' purchases prior to the massacre.
4: The prosecution's case is that this is a family that operated together in everything they did from living together, sharing finances, to uh, their marriages.
7: The financial records also just confirm what we already knew, which was they function as one
4: unit in pretty much everything they do. So the prosecution really focused on these purchases of items that could have been used to create the murder weapon. Drill bits, filters, and flashlights. Items to make an impromptu murder weapon, an impromptu silencer.
1: And one person's name surfaced repeatedly in relation to those purchases.
3: Who was the owner of this account? George. With respect to other purchases on that credit card, flashlights, and then the purchase of Waverly, Rule King, again, only listed owner of that credit card at that time is this defendant, George White, correct? That's correct.
1: While investigators found no clear physical evidence linking George Wagner to the crime scene, they did find a set of bloody footprints.
7: So the actual floors that were cut up and and removed from the scene were brought to you? Yes, they were. And can you tell us what we are looking at in this particular slide?
8: Item 21 and item 24, the ones on the end, they were a left shoe impression that corresponded with a size 11 Walmart athletic work shoe 22 corresponded with the left size 10 and a half Walmart
3: athletic shoe
1: The prosecution had video of Angela Wagner entering a Walmart, not exactly a smoking gun but then investigators unearthed a receipt showing what she had purchased that day
6: these are the Walmart brand athletic shoes, size 10 and a half and it would match the SKU for the receipt from the trailer at State Route
1: 41. But some of the most compelling testimony would not come from the crime either, scene, the but from a woman who, like Hannah, was accused by the Wagners of abusing Sophie and lived to tell the story. Before moving north to Alaska, Jake went to court and obtained sole custody of Sophia Wagner. Elizabeth Armour met Jake Wagner at a church the Wagners attended in Alaska, where she sometimes worked in the nursery.
9: I had come out of the nursery for taking care of the children. Jake was at the other end of the hallway kind of noticing me.
7: At some point, did your relationship with Jake become more serious?
9: Nine months after I met him, he asked me to marry him
1: the couple got married just a few months later, Elizabeth Armour vividly remembers her wedding night.
9: So, um, since I grew up Amish, I didn't really have any experience with um, men. I had requested in no uncertain terms that we not consummate marriage on that night, um, which Jake had agreed to but did not honor Um, and afterwards almost immediately he asked me for my personal information my phone passcode my bank account access numbers my social security card
7: did you also have to sign
9: agreements prior to the marriage yes i remember angela and Them asking me to sign a paper that was to keep me from trying to get custody of Sophia in the event of a divorce.
4: Elizabeth Armour revealed the toxic intertwined uh, dynamic uh, at play in the uh, Wagner family.
1: And then a familiar accusation from Angela Wagner.
9: Jake came to me and told me that his mom believed that I had touched Sophia uh, inappropriately.
1: Elizabeth was brought before Jake's mother, Angela.
9: I was called into the kitchen. Jake said that he didn't believe I had done it, but that, you know, I needed to explain myself. He laid it out very clearly to me that if I had done it, that the right thing to do would be to string me up in the barn, beat me to death with the baseball bat, bulldoze the barn, burn it down, and hunt down and kill my family, and that if he didn't do it, his mom would do it, his dad would do it, George would do it, any of them would be willing to do this because it would be the right thing to do
1: prosecution also played telephone conversations that investigators recorded showing Angela pressuring Jake to divorce Elizabeth. Well, I told
6: you, Jake, I would not trust her. I told you that. Stop thinking about yourself. You need to realize what's important. Because I know somebody will be in danger.
1: The prosecution also called another woman who had experienced life with the Wagners, George's ex-wife, Tabitha Clater
7: if you could just tell us what the family dynamics
2: were there when you lived with the wagner's very uh, strange and controlling okay and what makes you say that if angela made a rule then you had to follow that rule okay.
7: did you feel when you were there that you could parent your child in the way that you wanted
2: to no Tell us about that. Every night before we went to bed, I would be made to go take a nap while Angela played with my son.
1: Tabitha also testified about a time she tried to leave the Wagners after an argument with George.
2: I told them that I was not going to go back inside, that I was going to leave. And so Angela threw a board at me and then told George that she's going to go inside and get a gun.
7: When you say she threw a board at you, what kind of a board?
2: A two-by-four.
7: So when Angela says she's going to go get a gun, what do you do?
2: I continued going out the yard and through the fence, and I hid underneath of George's truck.
1: She eventually biked to a nearby gas station and called her mother to come pick her up. But while she was waiting in a police car, she found out that the Wagners had filed a complaint against
2: her. And what type of complaint was that? A domestic violence. What was alleged against you? That I was... Causing a big fuss at home and dragging my child across the floor. Did you drag your child across the floor? No, I did not.
1: George eventually filed for divorce, alleging Tabitha's family members might abuse their son.
2: After we got divorced, it was about a year before I got to see my son again.
1: Coming up, George Wagner's brother Jake and mother Angela testify portraying George as an active accomplice to the slaughter
0: of the Roden family. We got another day of NBA action, so it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: The jury had heard in detail how the Wagners plotted to kill the Roden family in a custody battle gone horribly wrong. But very little, if any of the evidence, pointed towards the alleged accomplice, George Wagner. Then his brother Jake took the
4: stand. They needed um, one Wagner, at least one Wagner, to implicate the others. It was the day really everyone had been waiting for. His lawyers managed to keep cameras out of the
1: courtroom, but Court TV producer Emanuela Grinberg was there for Jake's testimony.
4: Jake Wagner takes a stand and tells his jury that his brother was involved in the plot, in the conspiracy to kill these people.
1: Jake testified that the entire family was in on the plot and that George was supposed to help kill Chris Roden Sr. He described how they built a false bed in the back of a pickup in which he and George hid while his father, Billy, drove up to pay Chris a visit. While Billy walked up to the house, George got in position.
7: The plan was that George was going to shoot Chris Sr. from a distance like a sniper in a fashion that Chris would never know what hit him, would never know that Billy Wagner was betraying
4: him. They're outside the house poised to do it, and then uh, George just refuses. He can't do it. And then that's how Jake, you know, gets involved in starting to shoot people.
1: According to Jake, George stood by while Jake took a high-powered rifle and shot Chris Roden Sr. through the door used a Glock to finish him off before shooting and killing Gary Roden who was also there while George stood by and did nothing. Just a few days later, Angela Wagner took the stand, corroborating much of the state's circumstantial case against her son George including the one piece of physical evidence loosely linking him to the crime.
4: She testified about her role in buying the shoes that allegedly made the bloody shoe print that was attributed indirectly to George and Jake. The testimony of Jake and Angela Wagner, they are the ones who put him, you know, at the heart of the conspiracy, the heart of the plan. They put him at the crime scene. So after their testimony, you kind of felt like, you know, his fate was sealed.
1: But then. The defense called a surprise
4: witness to the stand. When George Wagner took the stand, it was a huge shock. Didn't really see it coming.
8: All the jurors knew about George was the evidence that the state had put forward. They wanted to create him to be this angry monster. That was the challenge. The challenge was to introduce evidence that he was an individual, introduce evidence that he was different than the others. George first described
1: his father, Billy, introducing him to a life of crime.
6: Uh, My father taught me how to open a lock, how to steal fuel, how to steal loads or break into loads. What do you mean by loads? Uh, Tractor and trailer loads, semi-loads of whatever might be on it. How did he do that? Just go around, show you how to open it and get in it and drive off with them. When I was a young kid, I wanted to be either a game warden or a forester. Then when I got older, my father pushed me more towards being a diesel mechanic and a truck driver. All right. And why was that, do you know? My father didn't want nobody in the family that wore a badge. Why was that? He thought all law enforcement was crooked. He disagreed with things that his
8: family had done uh, in their life, the crimes that they had committed, where he said he was no longer a part of what they were doing.
6: Eventually, I quit. Quit what? Everything my dad taught me. Where did you go? I made it down into Kentucky. How far away did you get to Kentucky? 250 miles, roughly. And what happened? I had a choice of running out of fuel and continue going or turn back. So, whatever? I turned back. Why did you turn back? I had no money and no fuel and nowhere to go. What were you thinking when you left? I was just tired of putting up with my mom and dad. Was that the last time you were tempted?
9: No.
4: They were trying to really paint a picture of a person who was just stuck and, like, was trying to, you know, break away from this lifestyle that he'd been brought up into. And that it was just, uh, despite his efforts, um, he couldn't get unstuck. George was one to go
8: out. He was one to go out and uh, associate with other people, have friends uh, away from home, and, and do what a typical teenager would do as far as, you know, alcohol, just exploring, you know, the world as a young person would do.
6: Did that cause any problems back at the home on the Yeah, my mother didn't like me being down there. Why not? She said it was a bad environment and uh, bad influences, and I was basically going to end up sending myself to hell from it. She
8: obviously, as most mothers, would not want their child out doing these things. Jake didn't. He did exactly as his mother wished. Uh, He was essentially a perfect child. He obeyed his mother. Finally... The
1: defense argued that
8: George Wagner
1: had no reason for wanting the rodents dead because they were some of his best friends.
6: We've heard a lot about Jake and Hannah's relationship. Describe your relationship with Hannah. I looked to Hannah as a baby sister. What do you mean by that? My brother might be biologically my brother, but we never acted like brothers. Hannah acted like a baby sister to me. We go fishing
4: together, four wheel and six Buckeyes during the holidays. Talk to each other about what was bothering each other. He viewed Hannah as like a younger sister. They got along really well. He viewed uh, Frankie Rodin, um, you know, as a good friend of his. He had no desire to kill his best friend.
6: Did you consider Frankie a good friend?
4: I considered him my best friend.
6: Looking at Wagner exhibit 53-1, this is your wedding photo, right? Yes, You have one arm around who? Tabby.
4: You have another arm around who else? Frankie. He definitely came off as more confident, like more self-assured than his brother to some. He might have came off as more compelling or interesting because he really put his face out there, you know, in a way that his alleged co-conspirators weren't willing to do. Other
1: witnesses testified about how George was different from his brother.
8: One of the witnesses that I think surprised the state was their own witness, and that was a witness by the name of Samantha. Samantha was very unique and important to this case because she knew Jake. She knew George. She knew the Roden family as well. She knew these boys for most of her life.
4: He and Jake were
6: pretty different personalities. Is that fair to say? Yes. All right. Jake was kind of a mama's boy. Is that fair? In my eyes,
9: yes. George would always go out and do his own thing. Jake would always have to get Angela's opinion before he would go do anything. Um, Angela didn't approve. Jake never did.
4: That was certainly a compelling, you know, narrative that they, you know, advanced. Don't blame him for the sins of his brother, for the sins of his father, for the sins of his mother. After painting a picture of George Wagner as
1: different from the rest of his family. The defense next took aim at the heart of the prosecution's case, the testimony of Jake and Angela Wagner.
4: The defense strategy was to undermine Jake and Angela Wagner's testimony and just convince the jury that uh, nothing they say can be believed, especially when it comes to George's involvement, that um, they were really the masterminds. The defense first targeted Jake's testimony.
8: The biggest tool we had in our bag to discredit him is this is a confessed murderer.
1: During his plea deal, the defense
8: saw a side of Jake they wanted the jury to see. Not only is he a murderer, but he smiled at every stage of his, you know, every accusation on the stand. I've never dealt with someone who would chuckle and smile as they spoke of doing the most evil things. We wanted that drawn out. We wanted people to see Jake in the way he testified and ask them whether that's the type of evidence you would rely upon in the most important of your affairs.
1: To discredit Angela,
8: the defense introduced her lifelong history of fraud. The thing that also blew our mind was the amount of fraud that she had been engaged in with arson. And and these were arsons that were committed before George was even 10 years of age.
6: All right, and what do you mean they burned down? Uh, they burned that one down and succeeded with that one. Who was dead? My father and my mother. And how did they burn it? Same method as always. A whole bunch of newspapers stuck underneath the fuse box
8: our goal with her was to point out the fraud that she had committed in her life the incentive that she has now to testify that this is the type of person the state wants you to believe they gave enticement greater than a pot of gold to get her to say what she needed to say to convict our goal one was to introduce that fact establish that she had unbelievable motivation to save her own life What absolutely shook us to the core was that the state of Ohio is agreeing to allow Angela to one day be a free person.
1: The jury had listened to months of testimony and heard from dozens of witnesses, including George Wagner himself. Now they'd have to decide who they believed. Was it the prosecution who said George Wagner was a willing accomplice to murder? Or the defense who insisted his only crime was being a member of the Wagner family?
4: As each minute and each hour went on, you kind of felt like it boded uh, well for the defense. There was a sense that like, oh, wow, they must be really be considering all the evidence.
8: We felt in our heart that a fair consideration of all those counts and months of testimony was going to take several days to go through.
1: But after only seven hours of deliberation, the jury returns with a verdict.
4: When they did come back, it was just, you know, wall to wall people clamoring to get into the limited seats in the courtroom, uh, media and public. Ladies and gentlemen
5: of the jury, have you reached a verdict? Yes. Would the foreman please, a person please hand the verdict forms to the bailiff here?
8: It's the, the part that I hate most about all trials. It's Knowing that everything is over, there's nothing more that can happen, and it's that split second before the juror is about to read their verdict.
5: As to count one, it says we, the jury, find beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant, George Washington the Fourth is guilty of aggravated murder as charged in count one of the indictment.
8: We heard the first guilty, and we knew that if we had one guilty, we had guilty across uh, all of the charges the only thing I could do was just uh, just a straight face and just look forward but every guilty finding was just a crushing blow which was disappointing essentially you're finding out at that point that your life is over as you know it It was an emotional moment
1: for the family of the victims who had waited years for justice.
4: You could see, you know, the families trying to, you know, control their emotions. But, you know, in a way, you know, they couldn't help but, you know, quiet sobs and, you know, people hugging each other. This was just the culmination of so many years of heartache.
1: For the Roden family, the verdict brought some closure.
8: A little bit of peace. We still have a long road to go.
3: We'll get there.
1: But it was also a complicated victory.
3: But you have to realize, George Wagner is human. You know, they just didn't show it on
1: that night. Three weeks later, on December 19th, 2022, after an emotional hearing where family members of the victims spoke of their agony and pain, Judge Deering sentenced George Wagner IV to life in prison without parole.
8: Talking to him, it's, um, it's crushing. But, you know, doing what we do, we know it's not over. This is just round one is over, and that's what we told George. Your day will come. We will appeal. We will make right. The fight goes on.
1: Billy Wagner has so far pleaded not guilty as well. His trial is scheduled for some time in 2024. There you have it. Another deep dive into a truly fascinating case. You can find more episodes of this Court TV original series on our website where they are available to stream for free. Just check the show notes for a link. And to keep up with the biggest current true crime stories, be sure to tune in to my show, Closing Arguments with Vinnie Politan, every weeknight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so much for downloading, and as always, please don't forget to hug the kids. This podcast is a production of Court TV. Go to CourtTV.com for more content, trials on demand, and to find out how to watch Court TV in your area.